0: I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk five days a week. And if you've never listened to any of our flashback episodes where we watch along to old games, check out the new LockedOnMizzou.com for all that information. But you know what? We got to talk about the current stuff today, including a bunch of stuff about Mizzou football recruiting, a little bit on basketball recruiting I've just got a wide ranging show for you here today including I want to finish talking about yes the Kansas City Chiefs I'm sorry you got to indulge me in the last segment when it's been 50 years between Super Bowls I get to talk about the Chiefs for a little bit but of course we're not going to bury the lead here on Locked on Mizzou let's talk about Eli Drinkwitz and all that's going on with him lately shall we Now honestly, I think under the circumstances, you got to say that Coach Drinkwitz did an excellent job of retaining most of the Barry Odom recruits that we wanted and actually adding a guy in Montre Edwards who wasn't in the fold with Odom. So a nice job so far considering the circumstances. Well, one thing about Drinkwitz, he's definitely casting a bit wider of a net in terms of recruiting so far, certainly geographically, and he doesn't appear to be afraid to necessarily go up against the heavy hitters either. Now, one guy to keep an eye on in that vein is Ennis Rakestraw from Duncanville, Texas. Now, he's a cornerback. He's in the 2020 high school class, so he'd be on campus, not for the 2020 season, but 2021. His offer list is rather impressive. It's Alabama, Georgia, Michigan State, Texas, and then Missouri. Those are the top five as far as who 247sports.com is tracking. Now the thing is, Barry Odom cast a relatively wide net geographically, more so than Gary Pinkle did at the end of his term as well, but I don't know how successful that was necessarily, so ultimately it seemed like Odom, you know, essentially began to focus on the same similar geographical areas that Pinkle had before. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, if this rake straw kid, if if Drinkwitz can somehow convince him to get on board, and th- really the pitch, a lot of it would have to be based on playing time, right? Missouri only with six scholarship cornerbacks right now, according to 27 Sports, 24/7 Sports. Well, Alabama has 10, Georgia 10, Texas 16. So that would be the pitch, right? And if somebody can pitch. It seems to be Eli Drinkwitz. And, well, we'll see if he's a closer or not, I suppose, in this particular instance. Obviously, this isn't going to decide his entire – this one kid from Texas is not going to decide his entire tenure at Missouri, even if he ends up being a Hall of Fame-level player. That's just not the way football goes. But at the same time, if they can somehow take him in, I'd be really impressed, and that would show – that his recruiting prowess, I think, is real. So eh, maybe keep an eye on that if his name happens to come across the news ticker. You know things are going in the right direction. Now, one area I think Eli might have some trouble recruiting, if there is any studs in the Missouri area or Texas, anywhere Missouri tends to traditionally recruit, is the tight end position. Because, well, last year at App State, his one year as a head football coach No App State tight end had more than 100 yards receiving. Not on a game basis. No, for the entire season, none of them had 100 total yards. That's pretty crazy, really. Now, if you think, well, that sounds like a good spot for Daniel Parker because he seems to do more blocking than anything else, maybe you're right. Maybe that is a good fit. But I asked my buddy Jason out in North Carolina, who is a reporter and also covers – NC State, well, I should say follows NC State especially closely, and that's relevant because Eli was the offensive coordinator for the Wolfpack for three seasons, and I asked Jason if that was if that seemed about right, and he said it was because they didn't really throw to the tight end very much either, and, and Jason also said that probably contributed to Randy Moss's son leaving the program. Well, we know that's Thaddeus Moss, who played for LSU recently. Now he's declaring for the draft after his junior year. So, you know, that's interesting that apparently a NFL draft caliber tight end was on his roster but apparently didn't see the writing on the wall that he could actually play on the, in this squad or get enough, get enough action then he transfers to LSU and goes to the NFL. I just thought that was interesting. You know, I I tend to be a fan of tight ends. You notice notice who's in the Super Bowl this year. The two teams with the best tight ends in the NFL, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey for the Niners and Chiefs, respectively. Now, that's not to say that you can't run a successful offense without tight ends. I've always been a fan of the tight ends. I just don't want to ignore them. Now, if you don't have any tight ends that can catch the ball, don't force feed them or anything. But... If, if Eli's going to kind of ignore that position, that's, that, that strikes me as a bit odd. Not something that I want to overanalyze by any means. Again, there's a lot of factors, a lot of context that can come into play there. Just something to look out for. And I know former Missouri reporter David Morrison is going to be very, very interested in that. I know he doesn't want to see the death of the hashtag tight end passing game. But speaking of recruiting, let's get realistic about Missouri's hoops recruiting in the next segment. Obviously, Missouri basketball could desperately, desperately use a primary scorer, an NBA-type talent that could really carry the load and take a lot of pressure off of really everybody on the team, quite honestly. Drew Smith has got to be our best player right now, but he's not the type of guy or necessarily personality that you want taking 15 shots a game. Let's put it that way. Well, a lot of hope in terms of recruiting right now is really the last gasp effort of the big three of recruiting that Missouri was after. Having lost out on Cameron, Fletcher, and Caleb Love, really the last shot is now Josh Christopher. Josh Christopher, the nephew of one Nicodemus Christopher, who is on Missouri's staff as its strength and conditioning coach. Josh is a five-star player and ranked the number two shooting guard in the country. And right now, 24-7, unfortunately for us, predicting UCLA 67% to land Christopher and Michigan at 33%. Well, yeah, that doesn't actually uh, put us in there, does it? So you're telling me there's not a chance? Is that is that my, my twist on that joke? But seriously, if you just look at it, I think – The only reason, obviously, that Josh Christopher has any interest in going to Mizzou is because of the connection to his uncle. I'm sorry, I just don't think that's going to be enough. I don't think this is a Michael Porter Jr. situation where simply whoever hires his dad is going to get him. Again, this isn't Josh Christopher's dad, it's his uncle. I'm sure he loves his uncle, but I'm not sure that he's going to be willing to move thousands of miles away to a program that seemingly isn't on the greatest of footing right now. Historically, let's be honest, Mizzou just isn't going to get five-star players from California to come out to Missouri and play basketball. Now, you might say Trayvon Martin fit that description, but you know what? I hate to say it. There may have been some bags dropped during the Quinn Snyder era. I don't know. I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. That's just a guess. Call me crazy. But when the NCAA came sniffing at the end of the Quinn Snyder era, it had to be for a reason, right? Well, there's smoke, there's fire. I don't know. My point is is I think Konzo Martin is an honest guy. He runs a clean program. I don't see us uh, necessarily being in the bag-dropping game where we're going to get Josh Christopher. Again, don't want to accuse Josh Christopher of anything. I'm just saying all things being equal, do you think he'd rather go to UCLA or Michigan or Missouri? We just gotta be more realistic. I think it was much more realistic to get those two Missouri guys, cameron Cameron Fletcher and Caleb Love. That was a more realistic shot. Well, unfortunately, we came up empty. I'm afraid we we're going to come up empty again. Really, it's kind of it's kind of hard to figure out Conzo Martin's recruiting because they don't really tell you much. It's hard to get a gauge on it. It'll just we'll get, for instance, Axel Congo just came out of nowhere that that commitment. And there's been some other examples of that. It seems like they take really high shots with guys like Christopher Love and Fletcher, and then yet they sort of take really low shots on, they sort of settle for guys who are lower prospects. I don't know, are there, is, are, why are we missing out on some of these more 150 type players to 200, something like that? I don't know. I don't know what to say. I just know it's got to get better for Conzo pretty soon. Also, I've seen Jaden Atkins, a 6'3 point guard from Farmington, Michigan, brought up. Well, again, if he was from Farmington, Missouri, I'd think we have a chance. But come on, that's not going to happen. He's probably going to go to Michigan State. And honestly, I don't even see Mizzou listed as one of his main offers on 24-7. So good luck. Good luck with that kid. That's not going to happen. We're not getting Jaden Atkins. I'm here to tell you right now. And by the way. I know 12 games seems like a lot, but am I the only one who found the Kansas suspension of the D'Souza kid who picked up a chair with some bad intentions there after going into the stands? Do we think that was a good enough suspension? I mean, my God, we can't suspend that kid the rest of the year for that. He picked up a chair and intended to, I don't know, I guess smash some guy on the ground, smash a guy in the head with it. Uh, you know, a lot of bad things could have happened there. I just think you have to send the message that, yeah, we're not going to tolerate players going into the stands and fighting after each other. It wasn't as though that fight spilled into the stands. Well, it kind of did, but the, no, the guys went into the stands. D'Souza went after these guys. I thought that was crazy. And, you know, nice of the Big 12 to only give them 12 games since if I'm doing my math correctly, that means he'll be back for Kansas's last regular season game against Texas Tech, so nice timing. That's really not that big of a punishment to me. Heck, Kansas will probably still end up winning the Big 12. Just watch. But anyway, I don't know. Somehow Missouri will get blamed for all of this in the end. You just watch. Coming up, I want to talk about the Chiefs, of course, but I also have some thoughts on that onside kick alternative that's being tried out in the Pro Bowl. First of all, on that... Onside kick alternative. There's gotta be something better than that, right? I, I just don't want to panic about this onside kick thing. Aren't there some clever people out there who can maybe figure out a a drop kick, something that'll be more effective of an effective way of onside kicking? Ever since let's be honest, the problem is is not that the onside kicks were necessarily broken. It was that there was a rule change to where now, guys, instead of being able to line up, what, 10 yards off the line, get a running, sprinting start, now you have to start one yard off the kick line, so essentially the 34, the 29, whatever it is. But the point is is you just can't get onside kicks now. So they're trying this alternative. If you haven't heard about it, pretty simple. Instead of kicking off, you get a snap from your 25-yard line. It's essentially a fourth and fifteen. It's a do or die play. You either get it or you don't. It'd be a turnover. You know, if it's an incomplete pass, essentially, then the other team would take over on your twenty five yard line. So that's a pretty good, pretty good punishment there. My problem with this is number one, fourth and fifteen, to me, fifteen yards isn't long enough. You guys watch Patrick Mahomes lately? Would you feel confident stopping him as a even 50-50 proposition just to get 15 yards cuz i wouldn't at all honestly i think that's way too easy if anything it needs to be like 4th and 20 at least i would say maybe 4th and even 25 i don't know an onside kick should be not not as difficult to get as a hail mary obviously but i want to see it be successful maybe 10-15% of the time and that's just that's way too easy to pick up 15 yards and honestly in general I just don't like the rule. I don't like the idea the more I think about it because let's say a team's down like the Chiefs were 24 to nothing against the Texans. Well, what would stop them from just immediately doing that in the second quarter just going after they score that first touchdown like okay, we're just going to try to we're, we're going to try the onside kick alternative play in essence. To me that's just not football. I, I there really isn't. I, I think football is—it's based on alternating possessions. You're supposed to have to play defense at a certain point. You got to go stop the other team. I just think that's a terrible idea, and, and honestly, it's an—it's an overreaction. But that's just my opinion. All right, we're here. It's time for you all to indulge me with a little bit of personal Chiefs talk and a little bit of game talk as well. I just got to say, that was really a beautiful moment to share with my father in particular just to be able to high-five him after knowing the Chiefs finally and truly were going to the Super Bowl, which I yelled out and fist-pumped in much jubilation after Sammy Watkins caught that final touchdown pass. And honestly, when I had a moment, same place, I watched the AFC Championship game last year, I also yelled out, we're going to the Super Bowl, when Tom Brady was seemingly intercepted, only to have D. Ford, of course, lined up offsides. There was a moment when Tennessee scored late, and I thought, "Oh no, have I jinxed the Chiefs once again?" But no, here we are, 50 years later, back in the Super Bowl. Really, a great thing. Happy for happy for all those diehard Chiefs fans out there. It's really been it's been a heartbreaking run, but you got to love Andy Reid, regardless. He is absolutely he saved the Chiefs. He really did. I, and I don't want to say saved as in that they, they were going to fold or move the franchise or anything, but the Chiefs have been a complete joke in the post-Trent Green, Dante Hall, Priest-Holmes era. After Trent Green got absolutely walloped, I believe that was a game in early 2006, concussed, essentially knocked out of the league, the Chiefs have been a joke as a franchise. I mean, it, it's really been awful, and it, and it all crested – on that horrible day when Joe Von Belcher shot himself in the Arrowhead Stadium parking lot, I mean those were really really dark days. And for the Chiefs to have been able to get Andy Reid and what he's done for this team, it's really truly remarkable. And of course, you got to give it all the credit. The other bit of the the, the lion share of the credit, I guess I should say, Patrick Mahomes. Just uh, what a guy! I, I just remember. You know, you guys are probably making fun of me for being overly optimistic on the Tigers this season in both football and basketball, and frankly, I deserve that, but I've never been more right about anything than I've been right about Patrick Mahomes, and he's just just the most fun thing I've ever seen, I've ever gotten to experience in sports. He really is. It's just a true joy to get to watch him play football. So honestly, I'm not even that nervous about this Super Bowl because win, lose, or draw, I'm going to get to watch Patrick Mahomes play football on my favorite team for probably the next 10, 15 years or so, right? Maybe even longer than that. Who knows? By the time he's 40, maybe guys will be playing well into their 40s. I have no idea. The point is, this is going to be a really, really fun run, and these first two years have been absolutely spectacular already. And you know what? Again, I just want to thank my dad. I really do. Dad... I love you, man. You've been a great, great dad, number one, but also for the purposes of this podcast, I just want to say you've really made me the sports fan that I am. You're the reason that I'm doing this show. You're the reason that I'm so passionate about all this stuff. You're the reason I'm passionate about the Tigers, the Chiefs, the NBA, the Royals, all that stuff. Let me tell you, back back in the day when my dad was, I guess he'd have been, what, 20, 21 years old the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, he was just telling me the other day it was the coolest thing ever, just that the AFL and the NFL got to play. So just that perspective to me is so cool and that he grew up rooting for Bill Russell and the Boston Celtics, you know, as a kid from Kansas City. Just, I don't know, just that thought is really neat to me. And I just, I don't know, I love that my dad is still around and still, still loving life and able to watch this Super Bowl with me. It's, it's really a pleasure. And Dad, I love you. Mom, I love you too. I love everybody. I love all my fans, all my listeners on Locked on Mizzou. This has been kind of a different episode, but I hope you guys enjoy it. But with all that being said, let's get on out of here. i got to get some lunch. So, until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.